Hello, I'm Ryder Hask. This is the People's Television Podcast. Today I've got an extra special guest. People's Television CEO and founder, Nicholas Bruckman, is here. Hey, Ryder. How you doing? I'm doing great, man. Glad to be here on our podcast. Yes. Yes. It's been a long time since our first episode. And uh, I wanted to take this time to talk about what's going on with this uh, feature film that you are directing and producing. Yeah, absolutely. So in March of 2018, we met Adi Barkin because People's TV was hired to direct a political advertisement about him. Adi Barkin was uh, 34, is 35 now. And when he was uh, 32, only two years ago, he was diagnosed with ALS, which is a deadly, debilitating, and sadly incurable disease. And Adi had, um, up until that point, spent a lot of his time uh, as a fighter for social justice. He is a Yale and Columbia grad, uh, and he had previously worked on the Fed Up campaign, which was a campaign to make the Federal Reserve have more equitable economic policies for working people. Um, he worked at Make the Road, an immigrants' rights organization. He worked at, um, and still works at the Center for Popular Democracy, which is an activist social justice organization based in in uh, California and New York. And um, until the time of his diagnosis, he had already made small impacts in certain ways. Um, but once he was diagnosed with ALS, he decided to take this tragedy that was going to cut his life short and use it to make the most impact and transform the lives of as many people as possible, including the life of his two-year-old son, uh, Carl. And so we uh, made a film about him. He had uh, been working with a political consultancy group called 44 Renegades that was helping to share his message, which was against the tax bill. At the time, the Republicans had proposed a tax bill that was going to ultimately cut $400 million into Medicare and Medicaid. And Adi would, by virtue of this bill, basically lose benefits and ultimately lose the ventilator that he was going to need to live. And so this is obviously a story of somebody who is very personally going to be impacted by a huge political issue. And I think with all the films that I've done, all the films that we've done have always been about trying to find a single person who emblemizes, if that's a word, or epitomizes a large um, issue that the whole country is talking about. Because I think people understand political issues only through the lens of character and through the lens of human story. And so we made a short film with him and about him that we were hired to make that was a letter from Adi to his two-year-old son. And the letter explained from Adi's point of view um, what this tax bill would mean for him and what he wanted other people to do to rise up against it um, and to create a better world for Carl to grow up in because this was a world that, sadly, Carl was not going to get to see his father in. And so this letter was not only a way for Adi to share his message with the world, but a way to share who he was with Carl. And as soon as we met Adi, we made this film. It was very successful. It was on Now This Politics, and it got more than 10 million views and raised lots of money for Adi's Be a Hero campaign. And um, we immediately knew there was something deeper to the story, that there was uh, more to it than just um, fundraising, just this dying man raising money and awareness against this one uh, policy issue. We knew that his story would really resonate more widely if we were able to 
go much deeper and tell his whole life story and talk about, not just from a political lens, but more broadly and more universally, how should, we're all dying at different speeds. Adi's doing it a lot faster than the rest of us. And I think the the core lesson and the, the thing that I saw in Adi is this idea of what is what do you do with the rest of your life when it's cut short? And what do you do with the rest of your life when you um when your capacities are so limited and Adi's losing his voice, he lost his ability to walk, he's ultimately going to lose his ability to eat, eventually he'll lose his ability to breathe, and yet throughout that process he's spending basically every ounce of energy he has trying to make the country better for the rest of us in a world that he won't even get to live in. And so that sacrifice, um, but also that kind of universal lesson really appealed to me. And I think it's something that we can all benefit and learn from. And so we dived into making this film. Thank you, Nick. Uh, that's a great overview. Um, and a part of what we did over the past summer was join Adi on the road, travel all the way across the country, and uh, follow him as he met with constituents in local districts and organized them and brought them to their congressman's office and basically tried to get them to not just share their stories but get them to find stories and organize their friends and be the sort of you know local organizers who are going to get out the vote and make sure that everyone's voices are being heard. And uh, that was an incredible opportunity and experience to film not just everything that uh, Adi needed as far as making these into you know political advertisements that would go on to affect the midterm, but uh, to spend you know 24/7 uh, every day, every week with him at the uh, trailer parks and uh, on the road, you know every step of the journey. So we had the opportunity to capture essentially the behind the scenes to this campaign that, you know, between Adi and Liz and, uh, you know, the rest of the team, they just, you know, really <laughs> made something out of nothing. Uh, and to see that creation was, was really special. Um, so anyhow, uh, let's fast forward because I want to, I want to talk about what's happening now with the film. Uh, we've been, through almost a year now of production and uh tomorrow we have a pretty important interview which i think is coming at a good stage uh, because it's a point at which you're looking back at footage and cutting scenes um and now are realizing where you know some of the you know missing pieces might be and uh so talk to me about that and, and the interview we've got tomorrow. Sure. Yeah. So um, we're, I think at this stage, um, about 80% done with the production on the film. I think we've got about 20% to go. We've been documenting Adi for a year, as you said, and that's entailed um, not only this uh, big tour across the summer, uh, across the country this summer where Adi um, helped lift up the stories of other local uh, folks around the country who have their own healthcare stories but also um, the fight against the Brett Kavanaugh nomination, which Adi was a huge leader in, um, through the midterm elections, which Adi and the Be a Hero team were ultimately instrumental in helping to flip the House and get more progressive Democrats elected. 
And now the kind of final um, arc of the film is turning towards what Adi's going to do with the rest of his life and his turn back towards his family, his writing of his memoir. Um, and we're also catching up with all of the other characters uh, along the way. Um, the Be a Hero team was made up of a bunch of different incredible diverse activists from different backgrounds who all rallied around Adi's message and, and helped get it out into the world. And so um, tomorrow we're speaking with uh, Liz Jaff, who's one of the main characters in the film and one of the people who originally supported and believed in Adi. And um, we face a really unique challenge with this film, which is that our main subject is losing his voice as we create it. And not only um, is it really difficult to have an extended interview with Adi at all, but even when we do, at this stage, it's impossible to intercut it with earlier parts of the film because it's clear what stage the progression of his ALS is at. So for the documentary filmmakers in the audience, who I assume there will be some, um, they know that when you edit a film together, you're often editing narrative and, and narration and interview from different points of time to recompile and create a coherent narrative that may feel chronological, but may, maybe wasn't told chronologically. Whereas in our case, we're really limited by the um, you know really tragic loss that Adi has in his voice today as we speak. He's now primarily using a computerized eye gaze technology to speak. And so um, the, there's sadness in that, but there's also a kind of beauty in that Adi's message is that he can't speak, and so others need to speak for him. And so the other characters in the film, including the ones we're interviewing tomorrow, are helping us tell different parts of Adi's story and supporting the narrative and helping fill some of those gaps that we actually can't speak to Adi about anymore, um, at least in a traditional voice-based um, narration. Yeah. And so, you know, when you get into your list of questions, are you basically going to be looking back at notes from particular scenes or are you going to just, you know, do like any other regular interview where you're going to be, you know, just starting with the, the basics? Uh, like, is it the what I'm asking is, like, is this the sort of quintessential key interview or is it more of like, you know, you're patching together different things and you're just going to take small, you know, bits of dialogue from various points that you need and, and fit them in? Yeah, it's a good question. I think that we have interviewed Liz several times. Um, we're at a stage now where, as you mentioned, we're kind of looking at hindsight. We've already um, started kind of assembling scenes of the film now. We're at the very early phase of post-production um, and expect to be editing over the next uh, four to six months to complete the film. And I think that we are now um, looking back at specific scenes, looking back at specific narrative needs, looking at things that we haven't captured in previous interviews and filling those gaps. Um, I think you have to do that in every movie and every documentary generally, but this one just has this particular challenge of our main character not being able to speak for himself at this point. Um, so yeah, we're going to be covering a lot of the kind of key turning points of the movie of which we have, um, again, for the filmmakers in the audience, a lot of verite or in situ action shots of, but we don't have clear explanation around what's happening. And so the kind of storytelling I like is um, in documentary is generally cinema verite, which for lack of a better description means that the characters are talking to each other instead of talking to the audience. But I think interview based dialogue is also really helpful to the audience to understand the emotions characters are feeling to have asides where audiences can express what they're 
going through or what they're thinking to the audience that's then supported by those um, scenes that happened in the moment. Um, so again, if this podcast is like about filmmaking, that's, <laughs> is, that's what I'm kind of getting as we're going through it. Um, you know, I could kind of veer more in that direction, um, you know, which is that, which is to say that, um, yeah, we're trying to kind of construct the, we're trying to reconstruct or build the bridges between scenes, the like ligaments and tendons of this, uh, film and to connect all the muscles of the great scenes that we shot over the course of the year with Adi, Liz and the other characters. Yeah, and and get a little bit of a flavor of you know Liz's life in D.C. because we've seen her almost entirely just like on the road, you know, in all these places with Adi. Um, but of course, she has a whole separate life and office and home. So just getting a bit of that like grounding of her character, I think, would be important. Yeah, and and to go back to the story as opposed to kind of like filmmaking tips, I think there's like two elements of things we could be discussing here, but. In terms of the story, Liz is a really amazing character. Um, she's from South Africa, and by a sheer kind of coincidence that we'll explain in the film, she ended up meeting Obama in Africa and becoming a very important member of the Obama campaign here in the, in the U.S. And um, she ran for election herself to be the vice chair of the Democratic National Committee, which she lost and was kind of at a turning or inflection point when she met Adi and the way she met Adi was at an airport where um, she, he was overhearing her talking about Twitter strategies and politics and consulting. And he just introduced himself at the gate and told him what he was about. And she said, well, that's funny because Senator Jeff Flake, who um, was a key swing vote on this tax bill, that was exactly what Adi had been kind of protesting, um, was on that plane. And she said, why don't we make a video of you talking to him directly right now? And so within 10 minutes of them meeting each other, they approached Jeff Flake. Jeff Flake came back to Adi's seat and Adi told him about how the vote that he was about to make on the tax bill was ultimately going to kill him. And as soon as they landed, Liz uploaded this video to the internet and it went viral. And Adi was kind of thrust from anonymity into the mainstream media. And he was on CNN and MSNBC as dying father confronts senator on an airplane. And the fact that they made this viral video within 15 minutes of meeting each other, I think is just really incredible and speaks to this kind of unusual chemistry, the sort of serendipity of politics in general. It's also about like how these, we live in this media culture where very private and, and intimate conversations can now be captured by anybody. Politicians can be put on the spot outside of their sort of protective dome of handlers and publicists and, and media. And I think, um, you know, it speaks to Liz's kind of foresight and strategic thinking and sort of ability just to make stuff happen. She's a very strong um, consultant and a very strong female leader and, and kind of powerful and also somebody who's very honest and full of humor and sort of invective and, and um, you know, curse words and uh, pride in what she does. And I think has a very strong screen presence on camera. But that kind of moment, um, that like idea of telling personal stories to power is one of the broader messages and themes of the film because that's what Adi did at first. And then as Adi lost his voice, they went around the country helping other people to do that. Other people going up and going to other offices of Congress people and having local constituents in that district tell their healthcare stories then filming those and put, putting them on the internet. And so the movie is, in addition to being Adi's story, it's also the story, it's about the power of storytelling. 
Yeah, that's yeah, and I I can see that theme, you know, more more and more clearly, especially with Anna Maria and being with her last week in D.C. Uh, I mean, she's just been elevated in you know a similar way to Adi to this national stage where you know she's <laughs> in in real important you know relationships with not just politicians but the media as a storyteller and uh yeah i mean it really uh it really came uh full circle for me like seeing the impact the fact that uh you know we started with uh like you said a a viral video and uh now without you know uh too much time even elapsing it seems like it just started uh we're we're seeing our characters because of this technique uh, literally in like policy discussions with congressmen, uh, like closed door sessions, you know, which fortunately we got to film, but they were, they were not billed as press event. You know, it wasn't like they're inviting in the New York times to sit there, but because we had been following these characters, uh, you know, Alexandria, uh, allowed us to come and film this policy discussion with Anna Maria. Uh, and so it really, it really like hit me like, wow, okay, this is like a historic moment now. Not not to say that it was any one thing or Adi in particular, but the fact that the movement and the technique had pushed so far, uh, you know, we're literally in these halls of power, not just observers or people telling stories anymore. Right. Yeah, so the narrative, which I'll just, you know, get to more detail on... Um, kind of for my own thought process and for the audience benefit, if they have seen the film at this point uh, that we'll, we are yet to make or have not. But one of Adi's colleagues who you referred to, Anna Maria, um, who also works at the Center for Popular Democracy, she, um, during the Kavanaugh protest, uh, went with Adi Barkin to the same Senator Flake's office. This is about almost a year, maybe uh, eight months later. And Flake, again, who was considered to be a moderate Republican, again, making him a swing vote on these critical issues like the tax bill or the nomination of uh, Brett Kavanaugh to the Supreme Court. Um, They went outside his office and they did it again, what they do best, which is telling personal stories to power with the cell phones recording. And Anna Maria told, much to Adi's surprise, her own story of sexual assault, which um, made this such a personal issue to her that Brett Kavanaugh not be appointed much in the same way the health care, the tax bill and the cuts to health care meant so much to Adi personally. This Supreme Court nomination meant those things to Anna Maria because of what she'd experienced as a child, as a victim of sexual assault. And so as a survivor, I should say. And so what was so incredible is that right after her, she, she and Adi told her story outside of um, Jeff Flake's office, she confronted the senator, much like Adi did with the cameras rolling in an elevator telling him directly that he cannot possibly support this nomination without telling women like her that her assaults don't matter. And then this encounter went viral in the exact same way the earlier one did. And it sort of showed um, this this trajectory of, of Adi's inspiration and, again, this power of storytelling and how we can try to shape media narratives using the technology that's in our pockets and try to um, you know confront and speak directly to power and that that can ultimately you know, lead to policy change. It can ultimately lead to people voting. And 
you know, one thing Liz said that was really interesting about the Susan Collins campaign, which we didn't talk about is like that the ultimate audience for these things, the ultimate audience for these videos and these encounters maybe isn't Jeff Flake. Maybe Jeff, because on neither of these points, Jeff Flake switched his vote. He voted for the tax bill, which was passed. And then he ultimately, even though he agreed to delay the investigation and have an FBI hearing specifically because of what Anna Maria said, which is pretty incredible. He, he did change his position um, somewhat. And he said it was because of her saying this thing to him in the elevator, but he ultimately voted for Kavanaugh. What's, what's interesting about it is that encounters like that, I think registered in the minds of people's consciousness. And I think even if you can't really document it, I think end up mattering in the minds of voters and maybe we're part of people, um, you know, uh, voting against Republican politicians in the midterms, which they ultimately did. So sometimes these encounters are not even for the person that you're speaking to, but they're for the people watching it at home. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And it, you know, I'm, I'm thinking of parallels now too, to like how this has affected law enforcement and, you know, just video evidence in general as this sort of, you know, source material that allows bigger audiences, more discussion. And uh, it's it's sort of, you know, a theme, too, of like, wow, uh, we didn't even realize it, but we've got these devices in our pocket that are, you know, so empowering. And uh, that just, to me, makes it such a, like, 2018, 2019 movie, you know? Yeah, no, it's definitely about the moment that we... Um that we live in. Now. Yeah. And of course that's, you know, going to be worked into the movie in footage too, because we shot a lot of stuff on cell phones. Uh, some of the most important critical moments are cell phone footage. Um, go ahead. Yeah. Yeah. Sitting up. Um, yeah, you can pull it over like that. Cool. Um, so, you know, that's something that we've been sort of, you know, mixing in in different ways, plus, of course, the ways that the news then repackages that footage. Um, but, you know, in a lot of ways, it's the whole film is like a public service announcement to anybody holding a, a phone. Hey, did you know that, you know, <laughs> if you uh, use this in the right way, you can actually, as an individual, have this enormous impacts uh for instance the the activist who approached i believe it was um scott Pruitt. Yeah, yeah yeah again like same idea yeah yeah we should probably do an interview with her actually um but Kristen mink i think is her yeah name. Kristen yeah. mink who's friends of nora right um, exactly um yeah nice no there's been a, this is kind of a whole movement of bird dogging and, and getting things on video and of course it's used by the right as well you know there's those um i can't remember their name right now but there's that organization that tries to embarrass Planned Parenthood with kind of uh, fake stunts and other things that they record. So this is not a tactic monopolized by one party or another. But I think, um, you know, it's a way for regular people who essentially Adi and Anna Maria were, you know, and all the people on the tour who told their stories and went into Congress people's office and told their stories. It's a way for those people to get heard. You know, it's a way to level the playing field. And I think that's really important. So um, looking forward to the next uh, couple months as, as the production, I guess, sort of wraps up and then the full-time edit kicks into high gear. Uh, what are your thoughts? How are you feeling about it right now? What's going on? 
Yeah, we've got a lot ahead of us. I mean, making a documentary feature is complicated. We're, um, you know, in the fundraising process for the film, which is, um, you know, one of the biggest challenges of making any kind of social oriented, um, non-commercial film, although I'm hoping this will have a mass audience and a wide appeal. Um, and we, um, you know, have a lot of folks working on it. We've got an editor, an assistant editor, um, you know, several people kind of in the mix in the producing process. And um, it's going to be a long journey. I think we're really cognizant that the movie come out while Adi is alive and while Adi is in hopefully good enough health to be a part of the movie's release and to benefit from the movie's release and to help us with the marketing and to see the results of all this time that he's given us. Um, he's really, um, you know, become kind of a collaborator, not, editor not editorially, and we don't always see eye to eye, but he's really been helping us, um, you know, providing us all the footage that he shot of himself before he got too sick to do so, um, you know, has made sure that we've had access to the most intimate moments in his life, including his doctor's appointments and the end of life care decisions that he's going to be making over the course of this year. And so, um, you know, we feel a lot of pressure to get it done and to tell the story right. Um, and, um, you know, not just for his sake and his, his family, but also for audiences, uh, so many people, he's gained a big following over the last year, and it's amazing to see both in person or on social media, just like thousands of people saying to him that he's changed their life or that he's the most inspiring person they've ever met in their entire lives. I mean, I've heard that hundreds of times um, from different people. Um, and if you look at his Twitter feed, you'll see that every single day, somebody telling him that. And so, um, you know, that's a big responsibility to live up to that story and make sure that as many people as possible get to feel that inspiration, you know, especially because he's, his time is limited, um, to, to provide that. And I'm hopeful that he still will have a long and kind of impactful career, um, even without his voice. And, um, I'm hopeful that he will live a long time. Um, his, nothing is certain with ALS. It's very complicated and ill, uh, miss, you know, not well understood, disease. Um, but yeah, we want to, we want to get this done soon and we want to get it done in the most impactful way possible. And, you know, hopefully, uh, when it does hit, you know, festivals and, and there's screenings for it, it can be one of those tools that so many, you know, nonprofits and, and local organizing groups will use, you know, as a, as a piece that can, uh, really motivate anybody uh, who feels like, well, their voice doesn't matter or they don't count. Uh, so yeah, we'll we'll be uh, we'll get, give more updates as we go along. But uh, this is February 2019, and uh, that's the that's the field notes and it's reflections. The it's the People's Podcast. The People's Podcast. Thank you for listening. And uh, enjoy the rest of your day. Thanks. Thanks for having me, Ryder. Thank you, Nick.